a very weird conversation with my students the other day, which is in no way out of the ordinary. But they asked me, you know, so what are you going to preach on, Father? I was like, I'm going to preach on what I always preach on, the love of God. And they actually looked disappointed about that. <laughs> but, well, well, we were actually kind of hoping you'd preach on hell instead. I was like, no, I don't want to preach on hell. I want to talk about the mercy of our loving Father. I said, but we want to talk, well, we want to learn about the justice of his righteous anger. I was like, no, I want to talk about the burning flames of divine love. I said, no, we want to hear about the burning flames of divine wrath. Please, Father. Can I say I'm a pushover? So I agreed. You should have seen their faces, though. It was like I was promising to take them to Disneyland or something like that. Like, oh, I knew you loved us. Instead, I was thinking, what the hell is wrong with my children? What am I raising here? I mean, you think about how many of you actually heard sermons on the nature of hell, what we believe as Christians about hell and salvation? Not a lot, right? It's not something we're talking about much, which is weird because if you like going to a doctor all the time to find out how to get healthy, they're going to tell you the consequences of doing bad things, right? If you're going to the gym to work out, you have an exercise partner. His main job most of the time is telling you what not to do so you don't get hurt or you don't get fat and lose your weight. So you have to know the consequences of the bad in order to do the good. So it's interesting, though, they're bringing up a good point. We just don't talk about hell anymore. Why is that? I don't know. But maybe it's kind of my job as a priest to bring it up from time to time. So I was like, all right, let's talk about hell. And I was like, this is perfect, because just last week we were talking about abusive relationships, right? So I was like, well, now this week I get to talk to about someone who tells us how much he loves us, and what special little snowflakes we are. But if we don't love him back, then he'll put our snowflake honey in hell for all eternity. Nothing abusive about that, right? That's how the world actually sees it. You know, an atheist friend of mine, a long time, he once sent me a meme, and it's, you know, Jesus knocking on the door. That whole, I'd knock on the door, wait for you to open. And Jesus said, open up to me. And the voice inside said, why? And Jesus said, so I can save you. And voice inside, save me from what? And Jesus, from what I'll do to you if you don't let me inside. <laughs> That's kind of our conception. It's like God is this loving person who wants to come into our life, but then threatens us if we say no. But That's the problem. We're not seeing it from the right angle. Because the truth is, we're all born in a prison. We're all born in exile with original sin, separated from God. And Jesus is the one who was sent in order to bring us out of that. It's like the hardest thing to do with someone in an abusive relationship is to get them to come out. And we have an abusive relationship with the world, with the devil, with sin. And Jesus came to give us the freedom to live in him and in the love of the Father. And that's hard for us to accept. You know, there's a story about a man who actually... He put himself into prison, got himself placed into prison because his son was in there so that he could go in there, protect his son and find a way to get him out. In a sense, that's what salvation was for us in Christ. He intentionally came into our exile so that he could save our souls. He could bring us home. So the first thing when we're talking about how this number one, this would be a little longer of a homily because I know how much everyone's going to enjoy it listening to this, I'm like, why not take it a little further? It's actually because I don't want to just say, like, there is a hell. Many people go there. Let us pray. 
You know, it's like, there's a lot to know about this, all right, if we're going to talk about it. First thing, it's not about opinion. I told you that one guy who came to me as a priest, he's like, so what's, what's your opinion, Father, on hell? Why the hell do you care about my opinion? If that's a proper response. It's like, what makes me an authority on hell as a human being? Why does my opinion matter? Because what I say doesn't dictate reality, right? There's only one person who tells us the reality of death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And who is that? Jesus Christ. So whenever we talk about eternal truths, what we need to talk about is the one who has the authority to teach us about that, which is Jesus Christ. You know, Padre Pio, I told you about him. St. Padre Pio had the stigmata. 50 years losing a pint of blood every single day, could read souls, could see angels and demons. Every time he'd celebrate the Mass, it last three hours because he could actually see the host becoming Christ in, in the Mass. But a priest once came to him and said, you know, I've got to be honest with you, Father. I don't believe in hell. I don't believe that, that that's a real thing. Padre Pio just sighed and said, well, you will when you get there. Whether I believe in it or not, it doesn't change the reality that it exists. And if I fail as a priest to warn my people about hell, I myself am actually liable. This is one thing that God warns the prophets about over and over in the Old, in the Old Testament. He says, if you see a sinner in their sin, he's talking to the prophets, the priests, and you do not warn them of their sin, they will die in your sin and you will be held accountable. But if you warn them of their sinfulness, and they do not change, they will die, but you will live. But if you warn them, and they convert their life and come back to me, they will live, and so will you. So we're all in this together, right? I can't go if I don't get all the best to go. So that's right, it's in my best interest to help you everything I can to get you to go to heaven. You know, and people said to me one time when I talked about hell, you know, that was really courageous. It's courageous to talk about that. It's like courage has nothing to do with it. Like what father wouldn't warn their child if they're going down a bad path that can hurt them, even in their physical health? That's just love. I love you and I care about you and I'm going to do everything I can to get you on the right path. Courage has nothing to do with it. I love you and I don't want you to go to hell and I definitely don't want to go to hell. I'm going to do everything I can so that we can all get through. So consider this homily a blazing inferno of love from the abyss of my heart to scare the hell out of you. In a word. So today's readings are actually all about Christ's mission on earth in this world. And what was the mission of Jesus Christ? To offer his life as a ransom, to save us from our sins. The name of Jesus itself means what? What does Jesus mean? God saves. It's the meaning of Jesus' name. His name expresses the very thing he came to do. And the question is, save us from what? And when the angel told Joseph to name Jesus, name the child Jesus, he said, for he will save his people from their sins. And that's what the first reading was prophesying in Isaiah. If he gives his life as an offering for sin, he shall see his descendants in a long life. And through his suffering, my servant shall justify many and their guilt he shall bear. So the Messiah would be the one who would offer his life for the people's sins. And Christ places himself right there in that context. That's why that first reading follows the gospel reading today. 
For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to what? Give his life as a ransom for many. So he entered into our prison in order to offer himself so that we ourselves could go free. And so why does it say, why many and not all? Jesus not die for all people, he just die for some people? You guys aren't too interactive today. Somehow talking about hell, everyone's just really quiet today. Understandable. He dies for all, but we have to accept it. It's up to us to say yes or no. Even Judas, right, his closest apostle that he had throughout his life, still chose against Jesus at the end of his life. And many of the Jews, the highest religious leaders of that time, chose not to accept Jesus, which it's not very fun for me to talk about, but the common opinion of many saints in the history of the church is that many priests and many bishops don't actually make it to heaven. To those who are given more, more are expected of them. Right? So it's no free pass in any way to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. It's actually have a greater burden of responsibility to lead the people. It's not a comforting thought. So why not all? Because we still have free will. You know what the most repulsive thing in this world is, at least in my mind, it's always been the idea of rape. To, to force yourself on the body of another person is extremely repulsive. And a theologian once said this, and it stuck with me because of the language, said God will never rape a soul. God will never force himself into relationship with anybody. He'll do everything that he can to offer that relationship, to invite us to him, even giving himself on the cross and pouring out his body and blood in the Holy Eucharist at every single Catholic Mass, even when not everyone there knows that he's even present. But he'll never force himself on us. We ourselves have to make that choice. And that's actually the difference between an abusive relationship. An abuser won't let you say no. God would rather have us choose against him then force us to be with him, which is a mystery. And we know that by love, too. Love can never be forced. The most that love can do is just knock on the door and wait for the other to open. So Christ offered himself in sacrifice to save us from our sins if we accept him freely. And what are the consequences of not accepting relationship with Jesus? That's where hell comes into the picture. And how do we know that? How do we know anything that we claim to know about God? Through Jesus Christ. So the same one who came to offer himself for us, the same one who tells us about heaven, is the same one who warned us about the consequences of not accepting relationship with him. Only Jesus Christ has the authority to teach us about the consequences of not repenting, of hell. So we can't pick and choose what we want about what Jesus says in order to be more comfortable. You know, a woman, I was once in a conversation with her, and she said, she goes, you know, the, the God I believe in is mercy. Therefore, I don't believe in hell. I was like, that's interesting. Okay, so what religion do you belong to? She said, what? I was like, yeah, what, what, I want to know about this religion. She goes, no, I'm a Catholic. Well, Jesus, the one who reveals God as mercy, is the same one who reveals God as justice and says that there will be a judgment. 
So how is it that you can accept one side without the other? Like, who is it that's informing your opinion about death, judgment, heaven, and hell if it's not Jesus Christ himself? So what does Jesus say about hell? Jesus warned about hell more than anyone else in the Bible. You know that? There's 162 references just in the New Testament about the nature of hell. Over 70 of them are from Jesus himself. And he told us, so just a couple quotations, he told us to fear nothing on earth. Nothing God says more is do not fear. And yet the one time Jesus says fear, that we should fear, is when he talks about our salvation. Don't fear those who can kill the body, rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. And he told us at the end of our life, we will be judged. The unrighteous will be condemned to a place of fire and darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he told us that it was eternal. He called it eternal, eternal fire. Every time he talks about it, an eternal punishment. So the word ionios means eternal. And so whenever God talks about heaven, Christ talks about heaven in the scriptures, he says ionios heaven, seios, eternal heaven. How many here think that if you go to heaven, it's just temporary, then you go back to being nothing, right? But the same word he talks about eternal heaven is the same word he talks about eternal hell. Kind of that idea of he comes to offer us to get out of prison. And if we don't say yes to that, then in prison we remain. Because the soul is created eternal. We never die after we, after we pass. And he told us that our actions, not just beliefs or words, are what dictate our salvation. He said, many will say to me on the day of judgment, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of evil. So he puts it on workers of evil. Yes, you knew my name. Maybe you even preached in my name. But your actions weren't in conformity with me. And we know that by experience. Anyone can say I love you. right? But we always look for it in the actions. If you love me, you would show it to me. And that's why St. John in the scriptures said, if you say you love God, but do not keep his commandments, that person is a liar. They're not being honest. And lastly, he told us that nothing is more important in this world than the salvation of our souls. What is the profit of man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? Why, as Saint once said, the only real tragedy in life in the end is not to become a saint. You go through any troubles you go through in life. You may, we make it to heaven in the end. Our life is a success. We gain everything in this world, all the fame, love, and prosperity, but we lose our soul in the end. It was a loss. And so lastly, how do we avoid going there? So hell is a reality that we have to contend with. We can't just pretend it's not there by not thinking about it because Jesus himself revealed it. I don't understand it myself. 15 years studying to be a priest. I can't wrap my hand around it. But if the person I, I claim is God and I follow with all my heart, then I accept it because of that. So I have to contend with that in my own life. And we all have to contend with that reality that he himself manifests. It is a mystery that there are eternal consequences to rejecting the salvation that Christ offers us. And that's the real drama of salvation. So, how do we avoid going to hell? It's simple. Don't die in mortal sin. 
Now, how many people here know the difference between venial sin and mortal sin? Make it easier. Raise your hand if you're in mortal sin right now. Just, no. Okay. Hands go down quite quickly. Take some time to look up the difference between venial sin and mortal sin. I'm not going to, this is homework. You get to learn it for yourself. And then you don't get to say like, I just heard it from the priest on that one day. I want you to look into this for yourself. It's not just about what I say. And if you know what mortal sin is, that's your homework. But mortal sin is what keeps Christ outside our door. We, by, by the actions of mortal sin, I'm not allowing Christ to come into my life. And if we die in that state where Christ is not inside my home, inside my soul, that's what we call dying in a state of separation from God. So how often are Catholics supposed to go to the sacrament of confession? Yell it out. Be proud of it. Once, once a month, that's pretty good. How often? If you're really bad, yes. I go once a week, so... How often are are Catholics explicitly have to go once a year? Look how free you are. Like, that's pretty, that's that's not bad, right? Once a year you have to go to confession, preferably around Easter, or after committing a mortal sin. That's why it's important to know when I commit a mortal sin, because when I commit a mortal sin is when I need to go back to confession to receive the mercy of God. And that's a real drama of salvation. Do I ask for forgiveness or do I make excuses to remain in my sin? Peter, our first pope, and Judas, the same night of their ordination, both denied Jesus Christ, mortal sin. Peter repented. He went back to Christ. He trusted in that mercy. Judas despaired. The two, two thieves were crucified next to Christ on Calvary. Right? And one repented, the other one complained and rejected Christ. St. Augustine said that all of humanity is summed up on those two thieves on the cross because we're all sinners and we all fall short. But do I ask Christ for forgiveness or do I remain in my self-justification? He said, do not despair, one of the thieves was saved, but do not presume one of the thieves was damned. So our life is like wet cement. As long as we're alive, we can write anything we want in that cement. We can clear it over and rewrite whatever. But the second we die, that cement dries forever. The whole mission and identity of Christ is summed up in that word, Savior. He offered himself to save us from our sin and exile and bring us home to the Father where we were always meant to be for all eternity. And that's a mission he continues in every single Mass that we celebrate right here as he comes once again to give us himself in his own body and blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. And if today, right now, every time you come to Mass, you're ready to stand before him and to receive him into the home of your soul, then he will be ready to receive you for all eternity on the day of your death with those words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. And that is the words we are all made to hear at the end of our life.